ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas joining the studio today by Craig Burley and Stevie Nichols. So much to talk about. I think we'll start today at Old Trafford. What a shocking result it was for Ten Hag's side. After that victory against Chelsea, we thought maybe they'd find a little bit of life. My goodness me, no sign of that today. Bournemouth thoroughly deserving of their 3-0 victory. This is what Ten Hag had to say after the defeat. I think as a squad, we are not good enough to be consistent and we have to work as a squad to improve that. As a group, we have to improve, we have to get tougher, but be ready for the game from the start. I said it can't be in this league if you're not playing on the highest levels because you get killed. Uh, Rob Dawson was at the game for us, so I'll try for him from Rob in a moment. It's his squad. They've spent lots of money on it, yet he's saying they're not good enough to be consistent. It's his squad. They had, a, they had a, an element of consistency last year as the season wore on after, after a, a very difficult start that was well documented. Uh, he's had the summer to work with them. And, and we're talking about Bournemouth here. Yes, Bournemouth, who had a, a slow start to the season under the new manager, have picked up better recently. They're playing better, but they're away from home. They're at Old Trafford. You've just come off the back of arguably your best performance of the season against Chelsea, which was a really open game, but United did create a lot of chances and should have won the game by more. And yet you go into this game and you look as fragile as they did. Look, they actually come out in the first 15 minutes, United that is, and played some good stuff. But as soon as you punch this team in the nose, they all run for cover. And I think that's a big problem for them. And, you know, Solanke, who was excellent, hit the post in the first half. Yep. He had the goal chopped off. Uh, at the end, it was it almost made it 4-0 when it bounced off the lad's arm accidentally. And Rob and I were talking about this earlier today. I, for one, the first thing that stuck out to me when I flicked up the team sheet was the striker. I, I just couldn't... And then, not for one second suggesting they lost to Bournemouth because of Anthony Martial. But I honestly didn't think, bar desperation, we would see him near the starting 11 again. And I don't think they were desperate today because they had Hoyland and others on the bench. And that was a shocker to me in terms of, you know, I thought him and Rashford certainly for the foreseeable future were going to pat their backsides on the bench mm -hmm. and other people were going to take up the mantle of pushing United forward. Mm. But that, that's only a small facet of the story. The big one was they were all over the place. Yeah, Rob, we've seen a lot of lows at Old Trafford. Are this amongst the lowest of them? Certainly this season. Um, you know, it's been a really poor start to the season. You know, you flashed up a, a graphic there. It's, it's the 11th defeat already in 23 games. And this is probably among the worst of those. Um, you know, most of the losses at the, the early start of the, the early um, start of the season were, were quite narrow. You know, a team would score and then United would attack them for a bit, and they didn't have that cutting edge to, to find an equaliser or a winner. But today they were well beaten. You know, they lost three 0 but it quite could have easily been um, five or six. They, they were that bad, and it is quite it is a little bit of a surprise because you know they played 
so well in, in parts against Chelsea on Wednesday, there was that this kind of hope that maybe that, that would be a platform to, to build on something. Obviously, they've got a massive week coming up mm. with Bayern Munich and Liverpool. But instead of heading into those two games with some kind of momentum, it's almost like we're back at square one. You know, you have to forget that game against Chelsea already because they were so woeful today that your fans were streaming out of Old Trafford after about 70 minutes thinking, how is this going to get any worse? Well, unfortunately, you've got Bayern Munich to come in the Champions League on Tuesday and then a horrible trip to, to Anfield, the Premier League leaders, Liverpool, next weekend. And Rob, just take us through the atmosphere at uh, Old Trafford as the game went on. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they started poorly. Um, you know, Ten Hag said in his press conference that he wasn't happy with the way his team started at all. You know, there was an incident after about 30 seconds where Slanky almost nicks in um, and gets a goal. Um, they, they take the lead after five minutes. And Craig is right. You know, the fans know that if this team have a setback very early on, that they really struggle to, to rebuild from there. And so a lot of fans will, will have been expecting what happened after the first goal goes in. The second half, after, after half-time, they start OK. But again, the goal goes in quite early in the second half. And again, fans know that they're not going to react very well. And once the third goal goes in, half of Old Trafford was empty. And by the time the final whistle was, uh, was blown, there was hardly any, any fans left there to boo. You know, it was that bad. <laughs> Ten Hag stood on the touchline for a bit in the pouring rain, just staring at his players, almost like that he, he had run out of ideas. And lots of fans are worried about that now, that a, a guy, a manager who they, they thought had taken a team um, on a step forward last season, you know, finishing third and getting to two cup finals, is now looking like a guy who is, is really, really running out of ideas. And, you know, it's not just the start of the season. Now. We're well into the season. We're almost halfway through the season. And we're still running into these same problems. United are still losing these games in the same way. It's the manner of the defeat today, isn't it, Stevie? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're just a mess. They really are. I, I, I'm like Craig. When I saw Martial right off the bat, I'm like, What? This is, this is a guy that should be nowhere near Manchester United. But it's not just there. You look at the, the back line. I mean, Harry Maguire and Shaw as your centre-backs, when you've got Varane on the bench, I mean, what has gone on behind the scenes that mm. Varane can't get a game ahead of Harry Maguire, who can't run anymore? The guy can't, the guy can't turn. He can pass a ball, but he can't do anything else. And then you put Shaw next to him. I mean, it's a sham. It's an absolute shambles. I mean, you just look at them. I mean, Garnacho has talent, but he's a guy for the future. Right. He's, you shouldn't be relying on this kid. This kid plays. I think he plays his age. You know, too many times he tries to cross balls when it's not on, and he does things that aren't on, but he still keeps trying them. That's what a young, inexperienced player does. But yet... Ten Hag is relying on him to try and get United out of the mess that they're in. It's never going to happen. I mean, what chance have you got? You've got Anthony on one side, who, if he behaves himself, we think he's doing well. I've just told you about Garnaccio on the other side. You've got a guy up front who shouldn't be playing in the Premier League, and you've got two centre-backs who shouldn't be playing centre-back. I mean, what, what kind of chance have you got of doing anything when you're in that sort of situation? Johnny Evans was playing ahead of Rafael Varane, a World yeah. Cup winner. Uh, What's going on? Champions League winner. And I, I get it. Right? You know, in one sense, what, what we're seeing here is a manager who is hell-bent on getting a left-footer at left-sided centre-back. That's what he wants. He, wants, he wanted uh, Lissandro Martinez in there, who did a decent job for him, can come out with a left foot, but he's injured. Now he wants... Uh, Luke Shaw when he hasn't got anybody else to do that. And Raphael Varane, for all his 
all his success in the game. He's not the best passer of, of the football. Uh, but he's a defender. And Aye. United are not keeping the other teams Aye. out. And, and Dominic Solanke had a field day. I mean, this, this lad did a great job for Bournemouth up front today. You know, uh, he's been around, you know, he was at Liverpool. He's got, he's got a talent. Uh, but he's big, strong, physical, and he's quite quick. And, and the two centre-halves just struggled with him. And he, he gave Bournemouth... Uh, he gave Bournemouth an outlet. But look, if I was Raphael Varane, he must just be going home to the family and say, I'm picking my wages up. Uh, when, my, when my contract finishes at United, I'm going to retire. Because if I can't get a game here, then I'm, I'm never going to play. But I, I just don't know where United go. I saw some... I think we all saw some green shoots in the Chelsea game and thought, mm. oh, God, that was... Wasn't that good to see what rate tempo creating chances? It's more of an indictment now yeah, on Chelsea. But that doesn't doesn't what he said after the game make a mockery of what he's talking about? Yeah. Because they played one decent game, and we were sitting here going, "Now we know what they're capable of." Because even though they had won games, they hadn't played any football at all. So again, what is he talking about? I mean, they're not. If anything, they are consistent, consistently bad. Yeah. Because the fact that they played well against Chelsea, we were like, oh my goodness, where did this come from? I mean, it's just a, it's just a mess. And Rob, you've got, him, you've got him saying this squad isn't good enough to be consistently good. He chose a lot of these members of the squad. Exactly that. And Craig is right. At the top of the show, he said that they were consistent enough last season to finish third in the Premier League and to reach two cup finals. You don't do that unless you can string runs of wins together. Um, since that, he, he spent money in the summer. He spent almost 400 million on new players since he arrived as manager. So to point at your squad and say that these guys aren't good enough to be consistent really is, is an indictment on, on the manager himself. You know, again, we're not talking about a manager who, who has been in the job two or three months and, and he's saying, I need time. I need time to develop this, this team and this squad. We're nearing 18 months with, with Ten Hag in charge. So if this squad or this team isn't good enough to be consistent, then surely that is down to him. No, he's the guy that is in that job to make that team consistent, to make that team capable of putting big, long winning runs together, to get them in the top four, to get them, you know, supposedly to challenge for the title. And if he's saying that he can't do that, you know, then maybe that he's not the right guy for the job. We're probably not at that stage yet where he's really, really in danger of losing his job. But when he comes out and says things like this, you'll get fans watching that and scratching their heads and saying, well, if it's not your fault, then whose fault is it? What if they get whooped by Bayern and then by Liverpool? Anything possible could then change, Rob? Well, it would be a disaster for Ten Hag. The problem he's got is that you've got a guy, Sir Jim Radcliffe, who's going to come in as a minority shareholder imminently and take over the football side of the business. So there's a question mark over right now. Is there anyone at United who has the appetite to sack Ten Hag? I imagine the answer to that is no, that the feeling around Old Trafford will be that we let Jim Radcliffe come in, he does his audit of the staff, and then when the time comes, he makes a decision on Ten Hag and who should be manager. At the moment, I doubt that the Glazers want to make that choice. Again, though, if they were to lose heavily to Bayern on Tuesday and, and get knocked out of the Champions League and get knocked out of Europe altogether and then go to Anfield on Sunday and get beat heavily, we saw that they got beat there 7-0 last season. So that happens again. Then what do you do? At that point then, the feeling of the fans w would be so high that maybe that you, that you would be forced into a decision and forced into getting rid of the manager. But at, at the moment, the feeling is that Sir Jim Radcliffe is going to come in at some stage 
and make that decision for himself. He's not in yet. And it may take a week or two for, for him to get his feet under the table and do an audit and, and to make that decision. So right now, there isn't really anyone there who wants to make that choice. And let's not forget, even in victory, I mean, we're not today, but they've lost three today, could have been four or five. The Chelsea game was super exciting, but, you know, United created the better chances, there's no doubt about it, but Chelsea created chances, could have had themselves some goals. Everton, in that victory for United with a great Garnacho goal, created chances. Mm. Newcastle, so the, it worries me what's going to happen to them. Not so much the Bayern Munich game, because Bayern Munich have qualified already, who knows, and they've been hammered today by Eintracht Frankfurt. It's more the Liverpool game. A Liverpool game, of course, where they won't have their captain. And as much as we focus on Ten Hag and all the problems he's got to yeah. deal with, it doesn't help, does it? No, when your players do things like this. Absolutely. And look, we all get, we all get a bit carried away sometimes in gobby to referees. And, but he knows. And if you've been a cynic about this, you'd say, he knows he's getting booked. He doesn't fancy playing at Anfield next week. <laughs> or if you're analysing it properly, which I think I'm in, I'm in the second camp of, he's just a big mouth. He just can't help himself, moaning and whining, particularly when it's not gone his way. He went to ground so easy in this game when when Bournemouth players were attacking him, particularly in the second half. And he moaned and he moaned and he whined and he got his yellow card. And he knows and he knew yeah. that the position was that he... Now, if he gets it for trying to stop an attack and he makes a tackle, no. listen, that's not a problem. But he's now, you know... He's the captain, he's their most talented player. If they are going to create something at Anfield, it's probably going to come from him. He's supposed to be the leader. And quite frankly, I think his attitude towards trying to help his manager, knowing the situation ahead with all these tough games, is, is disgraceful really. I mean, as a captain of the football club, to get booked and continue to do get booked in such a manner for, for, for the dissent and now going to miss this big game next week. Does Disgraceful sum it up for you, Rob? Yeah. Um, you know, Fernandez's behaviour at the end of the game is, is stupidity. Um, he should know better. He's captain of Man United. He should know better. I thought the performance in general was, was unforgivable. You know, there are, there are obviously tactical issues at United. You know, you can talk about the midfield being non-existent and the, the issues at centre-half and you know, the problems they have scoring goals. The biggest concern for me was that this was meant to be a week where this team was showing that they were fighting for each other and fighting for the manager. And in the first half in particular, they didn't win a 50-50 anywhere, all over the pitch. They were second best all over the pitch. You know, Ten Hag, after the game, talks about we need to be tougher. They were out-battled and out-fought by Bournemouth, who just wanted to win the game more than Man United. And of all the things we've spoken about, um, about the performance, that is the biggest worry for me. If you've got a Bournemouth team who are turning up at Old Trafford who want to win more than Man United at a time when everyone's meant to be showing how much they, they care for the club and fighting for the players and fighting for the manager, that is a massive, massive concern. And I don't know how, what, what happens now. You know, if, if, if they were to go and, and get beat by Bayern heavily, get beat by, by Liverpool heavily, then what? You, you have to start looking at making major changes. And we've just said then, I'm not sure there's anyone there to make that change. So what are we going to do? We could be here next weekend talking about the, exactly the same problems. Yeah. Exactly the same problems have caused United to get beat 5-0 at Anfield. I think and then it carries on and it carries on. It has to stop somewhere. I, I think the first goal, going back to what Rob was saying, I think the first goal, the ball in the first goal, was the epitome of that. The way that Cook picked up the scraps ahead of uh, sorry, McTominay, who was on the back foot, gets a great first touch, gets in there, wins the second ball, goes by Amrabat like he's not there, Reggion doesn't even make a challenge and before you know it he's whipping the ball across and it was a great finish by the way from Solanke a really really good finish but he's basically just 
he had the, the desire and the guts to get on that, and nobody even got close to making the tackle. And I, and I think that about that about summed him up today. I, I really, to be honest, didn't see this coming. Not off the back of midweek. I thought United had finally got a bit of uh, were galvanised. We're going to take Bournemouth apart. Uh, but I am shocked how much they struggled in this game today. Rob, Rob just a, a couple of things. Marcus Rashford, what sort of reception did he get when he came on? Yeah, not bad. I mean, he, he ran around a bit, but it, it looked like a guy who. <laughs> but it, but it looked like a guy who knew that he'd been caught out in Newcastle. It looked like a guy who knew that he'd underperformed and been caught not trying at Newcastle, coming on and showing or trying to show people that he had that desire. And it, to be honest, it looked a little bit desperate, you know. And that's where they're at at the moment. You, if you get a United player who's running around a bit, you get a clap because not everyone else is doing it. And and that sounds ridiculous. And and. I know why you're laughing in the studio, but that's where they're at right now. You know, not that, every player is, is doing that. that. That really smells of they're all playing for themselves now. I, I, it, there's right. nothing about what's going on at United that says that they're playing for the manager. So here's the problem then. If you get rid of the manager, who comes in? Because it's a bit of a poison chalice at the moment, See, that the, United job, isn't it? The problem is most, most normal clubs... There's an atmosphere and a smell when players are not playing for the manager. Right. And in a normal club, somebody will make a decision that this can't continue because then what happens is you get embarrassed all the time. Right. But it's, you get the feeling that what Rob was talking about, it's like, you know what, let's just wait and then this guy can do it. Because none of us really want to do it because we know it's going to cost us money to get rid of them if we get rid of them and then we'll just... But we'll, like, who we'll just could, let it go. Say they do make the decision. Who could come in? Who is going to make that change? Deserby. Deserby's going to... You think so? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm having a go at you there. Um, look, I don't think there's any doubt there would be a line of respected managers wanting the Manchester United job. As we, we had this argument before, coaches will think they can come in. They know that there'll be money made available. They can see that the names on the back of the jerseys, they have got talent. So I don't think the problem is getting somebody to come in. Right. The, the problem is going to be how do you change the squad in a short space of time? Because that's what really needs. Listen, Pep Guardiola could cross the road from Man City and come in. But with these players, it doesn't seem like they're capable. You know, I don't think this is about just the manager. But could we say, say that about Spurs last season and then look at the difference that Postacoglu has made? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a stretch, isn't it? I don't know. I, not necessarily. I, think I mean, what, what, what Postacoglu has done is, is... Can you remember anybody else doing that? I right. mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a one-off. To think that somebody else is just going to come into United and turn this mob into, into the, the attitude that Spurs have got. I think is, is stretching it. I think the Ineos investment is going to be a, a key here because I, I think as, as long as they are, the Glazers are not involved in any talks about football people coming in because quite frankly they stink at it and their people have, have stunk at it. I think then you know there's, there's a shining light for a potential new manager if that's the way they go, if, if Ten Hag doesn't survive. But this stench at this football club has started a long time ago and it started yeah. upstairs. Right, it started upstairs with poor decision after poor decision, with poor recruitment after poor recruitment, and throwing money 
down the drain, overspending on players and allowing things to fester behind the scenes at training grounds and, and all these problems. And, and Ten Hag is, is not blameless. And when you take a job, the buck stops with you. And he's making some strange decisions and he's saying some very strange things. But this, this, this is just festering away because it started upstairs years ago. And it's going to take this new investment. It's going to take new people coming into this club. And it's going to take another long road again, by the looks of it, to, to get this right. And I don't think we would have been saying that seven or eight months ago. Mm. It looked like it was on the right track to an extent, but it has very much come off it. Uh, Rob will say thank you very much. Much appreciated. We haven't spoken about Bournemouth at all, really. A massive win for them, especially when they were very much in the talk of one of those sides who'll be battling relegation come the end of the season. But that victory lifts them up to 13th, 19 points. That's 10 clear now of Luton in 18th. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at alienware.com slash deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Liverpool are top of the table after a 2-1 victory at Selhurst Park, but boy, were they made to fight for it. They were second best for much of the game. AU then sent off with Palace with a 1-0 lead. Liverpool rallied to win by two goals to one. Here's what Jurgen Klopp had to say after the game. I'm very happy manager in this moment. I know we were lucky as well. If you only win when you're really good, then you have no chance of being really successful. That's just how it is. What's the saying, Stevie? Title-winning teams can play badly and still well, win? I mean, this, this proves that you can be awful and still win. You can't keep getting away with it, though, can you? No. No. Away from home, in my opinion, Liverpool have struggled pretty much all the time. They've gotten results, but they've struggled. There's just no other way of putting it. And Klopp has to figure out how to get them out of it because they're not going to be able to do it between now and, and what, May? They just, they just, you can't play like this. They was, this is the worst performance I've seen from Liverpool since, since the pandemic when they were losing wow. four and five games at home in the drop. 
I mean, it was that bad. And without Ayu getting sent off, I really don't believe they could have gotten anything from this game. They never looked like getting anything from it until the sending off, and then all of a sudden, I mean, even even Mo Salah's goal. It's a ricochet that was that was going to hit a bunch of bodies. It could have gone anywhere, but somehow it's gone in the net. And then, of course, Elliot, it is a great finish. But, yeah, horrible performance. But you get the win, and as we say, it's all about results. When he's made five subs, <clears throat> Klopp, before uh, the 75th minute, before you know, the sending off, he's already made the five subs because he knows he's struggling. And... When Sabozlai is quiet and hardly mentioned, you think, well, they're struggling in the midfield. And Endo is just not getting up to pace with the Premier League. He's getting caught in the ball. He got caught in the ball for the, the goal that was chopped off. It was a foul. Uh, but he just looked sort of weak in there. And, and this is definitely one that if Ayu switches the brain on, he knows he's on a yellow because he got a yellow when, when Van Dijk kicked the ball at him because he was trying to stop a quick free kick. You've got to be careful where you make challenges. And, and there's no doubt this whole game for Palace, who have really been struggling recently in terms of results, Roy Hodgson's under pressure, it all turned on that card. It just all turned on that yeah. card, and it's just poor decision-making. Uh, you take a look at Salah's record, though, Steve. There's no denying it. It's incredible, it's incredible his goal-soaring form. And it's incredible how anonymous he can be throughout much of the game and then pops up and gets the important goal. 200 goals. Unbelievable. Absolutely unreal. It's just talent. I mean, at the end of the day, look, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll hear people saying that you have to work hard and you have to do this and do that and look after yourself, which is all true. Yeah. But you know what? Without pure talent, you don't get 200 goals. I mean... Now, I didn't know the other You've two. either got it or you've not got it, and this guy's got it. I mean, the other guys on the list I didn't know. Obviously, no Roger Hunt. Yes. And, and uh, Ian Rush, his old yeah. teammate. But I don't... Rushy was a poacher. Yeah. Well, he was more than that. But he was a front man. He was more than He was a front man. Yes. He was a goal scorer. All these, I think, were goal scorers. Roger Hunt. You, you, I think we forget Salah is a wide guy. Now, I get it. The modern day, these games change and the way teams play. But he's effectively a right winger. Mm. Uh, it's not somebody that is goal hanging, playing through the middle. So I think it makes the achievement. Even better, the fact that he does do his fair shift working back the other way. He does work hard. And to do it from that position where he's, he's played for Liverpool is just unbelievable. What a week it's been for Aston Villa. You beat Manchester City midweek and then beat top of the table Arsenal by one goal to nil. McGinn's early goal proved to be the difference between the two sides. And what that means now is that Aston Villa are within touching distance of top spot two points adrift of Liverpool in first. For Villa, Craig, this is a very different victory to the one that we saw midweek against Manchester City. Yeah, they, they struggled. I did struggle. They, they didn't uh, pose the same threat in this game after that initial goal that, that they did against City. It seemed in the City game, they, they went for City. Whereas here, Arsenal took a bit of control as the first half went on in terms of their possession and and it just, I was saying, we were saying before the show, it just felt the more possession Arsenal got, the higher that back four squeezed up of Aston Villa. And Arsenal sort of figured that out and they started floating the ball, ball in behind uh, Konza for Martinelli. Uh, and you, you felt it was only going to be a matter of time, but look, it's, I mean, we could talk about Posta Coglu and others, but it's hard to argue anybody with the resources that, that he's had has done a better job mm. in a 12-month period than, than Unai Emery. I mean, 
you talk about, we've talked about Man United right at, at, at top of the show today, about players who are probably going to throw this manager under the bus. This is players that are playing for their manager. Yeah. And that, you can see it. And, and, and it, they've made Villa Park a fortress, Stevie, which of course has yeah. been a major part 15. of the sex they've had. 15 straight victories. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I mean, you only can see seven goals as well. It's, it's a place where it makes a lot of noise. Right. When they, when they want to and when the team's playing in a certain way that gets them going. And there's no question, Unai Emery. He's got them playing with a heart. He's got them organised. They know what they're doing. They look as though they're enjoying themselves. I mean, every single thing that's good about playing in a team that's doing well is happening at Aston Villa. And they showed today that they can do it two ways. You know, yes, 22 shots against Man City was all-out attacking football. Today, after their initial 20-minute bust, where they, they took all that energy from the City game and the crowd and everything else, after that, it was about defensive duties, pretty much for me. I thought, I thought Arsenal, probably for at least an hour, just were the, the team that was pushing but Villa, with their organisation, with their grit, with the spirit, with the heart, with quality. I mean, Paul Torres, for me, looked as though he was just cruising. So having said that, obviously as good as defensively Arsenal were, where was that extra little Villa. spark? Villa. Um, sorry, Villa. Where was that little spark from Arsenal wasn't in there. the final it third today? Well, it wasn't there today. Yep. Uh, final ball, you know. 10, 15 yard passes, getting passed out of play, overhit for goal kicks, Saka whiffing at the back post, Odegaard coming onto a ball that was laid back perfectly to him in the first half, uh, and, and just didn't want to take it on his weak right foot, and he's tried to shuffle it on the left foot, and then there's a weak shot, and uh, Emi Martinez throws his hat on it. Uh, it, it just it just wasn't there for them today, and I, I don't really think there's any excuses. It was a scrappy game. Mm. Uh, but I don't think Arsenal uh, deserved anything out of it, if I'm being quite honest with you. And we go back to briefly to Villa. We talked about Villa and Tottenham recently as two, two clubs with new, kind of new managers that are superseding expectations, certainly Villa. And Stevie's right. Villa are a bit of a hybrid. You know, they can do it both ways. They'll fight and they'll scrap. They can sit in and defend or they can go toe-to-toe -to -toe as they did with Man City. And that's just a great armory for them to have at the moment, yeah. to know that there's a, we've got... Two or three different ways we can play that we know we can get results. And look, it was there for Arsenal. There was space in behind for the pace of Martinelli and Saka. They didn't use it. Gabriel Jesus didn't have a great game. And I think one of the big questions is for Arsenal, if they're going to go all the way in this title race and it looks tight, will they go out and spend in January? Because they certainly look as if they need some backup in that forward department. I'll tell you what, they need to send that forward. Right. Yeah. I, I, I remember sitting thinking... Where's Jesus? I mean, he completely... And, and I'm, I'm talking about an Arsenal side that, who I thought were dominated, particularly the second half. It was all about defence for Villa. But we never saw Jesus. He won't any game the second half. That's, you can't win the Premier League title without, with a man down. Let's put it that way, with a man down. Because Jesus did absolutely nothing to help his team. And when you, you've got to break down a, a tight defence that's, that's on top of the game... You've got to produce, and he, never mind didn't produce, he disappeared. Uh, speaking of winning the title, let's take a look at the odds then, uh, shall we? As it stands, Manchester City uh, still favourites to defend their title, but it's going to be a really good race, certainly for us neutrals, isn't it?
Uh, City odds on favourites. So Liverpool then at 3-1. to one. Arsenal at 13-4. to four. So Liverpool now second favourites. Just ahead of Arsenal, Aston Villa meanwhile coming in at 16-1. to 1. But it was everybody else's fault again for in the Arsenal game, was it not? Uh, well, yes, Arteta refused to talk about the referee. Well, he, he thinks the ball coming off, you know, one of his players' arms two yards from the goal and, you know... It doesn't count. <laughs> it just seems to me that he has a bee in his bonnet since this Newcastle game with the officials. And I think, he, you know, we're not talking, thankfully we're not talking about David Raya today because he really didn't have much to do because it wasn't the Villa, as you mentioned, that we saw against Man City. But the other facets of his team that have actually worked pretty well for him didn't, didn't operate right. particularly well today. So you cannot keep you cannot keep looking round to the referees. The referee today, I thought, in that game was pretty fair, did a decent job. Percentage chance Liverpool win the league, Stevie? Um. <laughs> I don't think I don't I don't think there's anything between I really don't I still think it's between Liverpool, Arsenal and City. So we're 33, 33, 33? I, I, I think it's difficult to separate them. Right. I think, I think absolutely between now and May, whatever data is, there are gonna be results and games and performances like we saw today. Right. Absolutely. Because City are not at it. Liverpool have got their own problems and Arsenal going forward. We've just said I think needed a centre forward. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think you can. I really don't think you can separate the three of them. I'm a little bit still in City. Camp. You think City are going to go on a run? Yeah, one of the runs yeah, that well, we've seen. I, I just think I until somebody until somebody does otherwise, I, I, I'm still in City's camp. Until somebody puts their hand up and wins this league, they've got De Bruyne to come back. They've got other players to come back. They'll fix their problems. I've done it before. I'm then slightly in the Arsenal camp, and then right. Liverpool are third. You know, when I, Liverpool today, Roy Hodgson was at one draw and four losses in the last five games. Whereas, you know, Arsenal, they didn't play great, but they went to probably the informed team in the Premier League. And you've just seen the graphic at Villa Park. Mm. 15 wins, seven goals. So there's no doubt who the biggest task in the Premier League had today, and it was Arsenal. Uh, and the way that Liverpool struggled at Palace makes me wonder if they're going to be able to go all the way. Uh, of course, it's Champions League midweek that will dominate uh, the attention here on the show. But then next week, it's all about the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup. All of these will be live on ESPN+. We've got Everton against Fulham, Port Vale against Borough, Chelsea, Newcastle, and then Liverpool against West Ham. Craig hosts a special digital programme today. Be sure Ooh. to check that out. <laughs> Spreading the wings, eh? Wow, trying to take over. <laughs> well done. Well, <laughs> Thankfully it wasn't live. Uh, be sure to check that out over on our YouTube channel. Passion, drive and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more, whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
We're just weeks into this year, and the news is already nonstop. Two overseas wars, a presidential election already testing the democratic process, a former president in court. It can feel impossible to keep up with, but we can help. I'm Brad Milkey, the host of Start Here, the daily podcast from ABC News. Every morning, my team and I get you caught up on the day's news in a quick, straightforward way that's easy to understand. So kickstart your morning. Start smart with Start Here and ABC News, because staying informed shouldn't feel like a chore. What a shock in the Bundesliga. Eintracht Frankfurt thrashing Bayern Munich by five goals to one. One-way traffic throughout for the hosts who are thoroughly deserving of their victory. So what does that mean? It means that Bayern Leverkusen are playing tomorrow against Stuttgart and a victory for Xabi Alonso's side would see them now extend their lead at the top of the table to six points. Uh, two Thomas Tuchel's quote, this is what he had to say. We have to ask ourselves why we started the way we did today. The willingness, the eagerness to win a game away from home wasn't there today. For more on this, let's welcome in Jan Argafjortov. Jan, of course, took part in a very famous Eintracht victory of the very same scoreline where he scored the fifth goal uh, to make sure they didn't get relegated. But I'm sure he won't bring up who scored uh, that all-important fifth goal. But Jan, this look, we didn't see this coming, did we? Well, I just landed in uh, this weekend in Munich as a former Frankfurt player. Tomorrow I'm going to be on a show here with the head of sports of Bayern, Christoph Freund. Oh. Good timing, Jan. Yeah. Uh, no, we, we, we couldn't see this happening. First of all, Eintracht Frankfurt have been struggling. They played against Saarbrücken in the, uh, the, the Pokal, the, the, the Cup. This is the third tire in Germany. They lost 2-0. Then they go home and play Tuchel's Bayern 5-1. I must say that the first analyze from Tuchel was even better. He said that before the game, he thought they would play with four at the back. Then he got this paper before the game that the Bundesliga will do. And they said they were going to play five at the back. So I had to give the team different uh, instructions. Uh, then the game started, he said. They played between a three at the back and a four at the back. If you think this is uh, complicated, yes, the Bayern Munich player thought so too. Wow, that seems weird. I don't understand what he said. So he's saying basically you get the list of players and he thought they were going to be playing a different formation to what he expected, told the players, seemed to confuse the players and then obviously we saw them concede goals left, right and centre. Uh, Jan, it defense... It's a manager overthinking again. <laughs> well, it, defensively, they just look so vulnerable, Jan. I, I like uh, the analysis from, from Stevie with Upamakano. What's gone wrong there? Uh, I mean, th- that, 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 is, that is the way it's been said. He's always, there is always a mistake there uh, sometimes. And if you have a look at the team, there is always this talk about that double six, Koretska and Kimmich. And Kim and Upamakano are struggling big time. Yes, they are. But Tuchel has always said, these are not the people I want at the number six position. I want another player. I want another player. But it comes forward a bit like an excuse for me because you have to defend. You have to learn to defend. And to be fair to Harry Kane, he has saved them some games as well because they have been, there have been a potential of uh, conceding goals. And there were no excuses for this week. The, the, the game against Union Berlin was cancelled because, because of the s- snow. They had a week, two weeks more or less, or 10 days before uh, preparation for this game. And still, they looked like they'd never played football before. And all respect to Eintracht Frankfurt. They should have lost. As we see here. Yeah, they should have lost the title last year. Mm-hmm. Let's be frank yeah. about it, yeah. right? They now have a huge problem, not only in their own house, 
but with what Xabi Alonso doing, is doing at Bayer Leverkusen. And that doesn't look like it's going to go away anytime soon. It, it might. Uh, so he's, bearing in mind, you know, he's, he's got the Champions League, which he's, he's thrown in the group, but then when we get to the nuts and bolts of the knockout stages, if they defend like that, they'll get, they'll get pummeled. Mm. You know, and they've spent this huge money on Harry Kane at the other end, who's been scoring goals. But if, you're, if you've got this problem at this end, and I don't know if they're going to go for Paulinho again in January to try and, to try and solve a position in the middle of the park. I don't know. They brought in the best defender in Italy in Kim. So it's not like, I know Apamecano's certainly struggled in that game, but it's not like they've got bad defenders. Mm-hmm. But this no, result today but... is going to pile it on old Thomas. No, as, as Craig said, they brought in players in the summer... Where does Thomas Tuchel got this arrogance and brashness to say, well, yeah, I know I've got some new players, but I wanted other ones as well. These aren't my holding midfielders that I needed. Why does he feel he can get away with that? Well, I don't think he can get, get away with that. I think that is a, a coach that saw a transfer window, as we were saying. Kim, maybe the best defender last season in the whole Europe. It was fantastic. It uh, doesn't look like it now. Uh, Harry Kane, I mean, he has done his job, of course. But Tuchel has always been under this number six. And there is a lot of talk now how he undermined, how he's uh, no, showing no respect to Kimmich. Mm. They thought he would be the new Bayern captain. He would be the new Germany captain. And, and he don't, doesn't want to play in there. And somehow this 5-1 result will kind of confirm what he's saying. That, that is not an ideal thing. But if you have a look at the team, I mean, there's so many good players. And if you see the, the Frankfurt team today... So, no, there should be no confidence. Uh, some young lads and, and uh, Dino Topmuller is a coach who's never been a first-team coach in his life before, and he's playing Bayern. He used to be the assistant to Julian Nagelsmann at Bayern, of course. I guess this is called a revenge. I think that Julian Nagelsmann and Dino Topmuller have already spoken on the phone. But I, I spoke to a I spoke to a guy I, I know very close to to the Bayern thing. So there won't be happening anything uh, in terms of this result for Thomas Tuchel. But if you can't Kind of build up on this. They play the next uh, home game or the next game in the Bundesliga is Stuttgart at home. Mm. We know that Stuttgart can win football games. They won in Frankfurt in the last away game. So, yeah, pressure is always on, but it's always pressure on in the big clubs anyway, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, can I ask you a question? Every, every time, from when Tuchel got to Bayern last season and to now, every time there's a bad performance <clears throat> or things have gone wrong on the field and he's asked... You know, where's the problems and what happened? Every time I've listened to him, he always seems to come out with, I don't know. Is that... Yeah. How can he get away, <laughs> how can he get away with that? You can't, it's a you good can't observation. Just say, I, like, we, we always complain about, about managers coming out after games and giving us some nonsense about, you know, the early kickoffs or, you know, whatever. But every, he, just, he just turns around and blankly says, I don't know. You can't keep doing that, can you? No, and it's a, it's a good observation, but, and it's also a danger, dangerous strategy from Tuchel because maybe he's honest. Maybe he thinks that I can say that because I have no clue. Maybe he's also saying, meaning between the lines, that I've prepared him well, our tactic is great, I have the best players, what is happening? So you're right, he, he loves to say that. I have no idea what happened. And I, I think sometimes when you are... A coach by the big clubs, you you kind of there is there is not enough excuses to come up with because it's expected you to win every game, and that was that thing today that he 
over-communicated. He talked to them a lot. It was 3-0 to Eintracht Frankfurt after 36 minutes. Mm. This is Bayern Munich we're talking about. This is not just a hobby team going on a trip. So, yeah, uh, Tuchel will be under pressure. And also, Tuchel's kind of personality is that he, he's not the one who will kind of say, it's my fault or we have to do all over again or something wrong in, in training. He's the guy. He's a, it's, that is his strength, a big believer of himself. But when you lose football games, that can turn against you. Must be a German thing. And the only game I played it, I, I, it with under Bertie Volks, I thought he was going to have a heart attack when he saw the Austrian lineup in a friendly. Oh. At Hamden, a friendly. It's he moved the whole. Scotland he juggled the whole thing about Christian Daly. You go and play there. You go and play there. You go and play there. I thought, what the hell? It's a friendly against Austria. But they haven't even got the Poco to, to fall back on. No, no. They got they got uh, put no. out of that by some yeah. some nondescript small team. You've got Bayer Leverkusen, <laughs> well pronounced. Yep. You've got Bayer Leverkusen flying. And as I mentioned, the Champions League obviously is going to be the, well, I suppose the domestic league is the big one, but the Champions League is the big one. But, you know, defending like that, can anybody really see them against the better teams? No. no. It's quite interesting, boys. I'll, I'll just say that the interesting thing, I'm going to this show tomorrow, we're going to discuss the big topics. Yeah, we have that show. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. all right. Yes. All right, Jan. Okay, okay. I'm going to talk to some people tomorrow. And the, now, but the, the interesting thing is when I see the topics they are discussing, is that is it right that Julian Nagelsmann bring his misses to games? when he's scouting teams. If that's the biggest problem of German football now, they're losing against every team, including the Vatican State, and they're talking about Lena going with Nagelsmann in... In, 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 in the stadium. So there is something wrong now in German football. The only, only thing for them is very positive. They won the under-17 World Cup, but the Euros is next season, uh, next year, next summer, and they will be 18. I can't see that, that will be the core team of uh, Germany at that tournament. Borussia Dortmund were down to 10 men and then suffered as a result. It was that early sending off for Hummels that really changed the game with Leipzig going on to win by three goals to two. After the match, Archie caught up with Edin Terzic. I think we showed a great game. Uh, we showed a great start. We've been the better team in the first 15 minutes until the send-off. I think we've been the better team in the second half, even though we've been one man down, even though we played uh, a midweek game. We look fresh, we look sharp, uh, we pressed high, we've been brave on the ball, everything that we talked about uh, before the game. And again, it's a tough challenge, it's a tough game, hard blows, but we stood up against all circumstances and uh, we showed a great spirit today. There was one decision, uh, one, one unforced error in the beginning of the game that changed everything for us, but the, the spirit and the energy that we had on the pitch and in the stadium was great. You won't necessarily know this, but Mats Hummels has posted on Instagram tonight saying that this one is on him. Do you, do you see it that way? I think that he apologised to, to, to the team and I know that and he knows that it was the wrong decision. Uh, in the heat of the game, in a split of a second, it's not easy. Uh, but on this, on this uh, uh, level, in the first 10-15 minutes, you don't have to take this kind of risk. Uh, it's better to concede a goal and then you stay with 11 players and you have more time to, to bounce back instead of making it such difficult for us. And as a team, he knows it. Um, this is the reason why he apologized and he, he's going to learn from it. And I hope that everybody's going to learn from it and that it doesn't, doesn't happen again.
I need to learn quick. His career's nearly finished. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> By the way, is Edin Terzic, is he the only manager that Archie ever interviews? Uh, yes, I think so. No, he comes Archie again. <laughs> uh, by this time tomorrow, Dortmund could be 13 points off the top spot, Jan, but the spirit's good. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, I just, when I listened to Terzic, I was thinking of Thomas Hessler. He used to be a great midfielder for Germany. He said, we came here to play nil-nil and it was okay till they scored. Uh, I mean, I mean, <laughs> what can you say that? Uh, I mean, you, 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 I saw the game. I mean, yes, they showed moral. Yes, they showed uh, after to, uh, Hummel's red card that they could be in there. They got the goal. Uh, but, but hey, they're losing. They're, like you're saying, they are way behind. Not only behind to, to win the league, they're behind to be the challenger as they normally are. But to be fair to, Toma, uh, to, to Mats Hummels, that sprinted it. He would have lost against me and the fish. Wow, that's a hundred meters. that is. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, but it, that was terrible. But uh, it's also a point to see. If you see Sule, he was on the bench today. Mats Hummels, you saw how Paulsen uh, took on Schlotterbeck. Yeah. You do understand that Germany will be struggling at the Euros because these are the main defenders. So then, Jan, tomorrow, Stuttgart, the surprise package, aren't they, of the season, taking on Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Leverkusen looking to extend that lead, as we mentioned, at the top of the table to six points. Should be a proper game. Should be a great game. There's some great game in Bundesliga this, this week, and you have Dortmund Leipzig, and of course, my Eintracht beating Bayern. But there is, we, we know a lot about Alonso. Everybody speaks very highly of him, but it's also a great job that Sebastian Hoeneß is doing in Stuttgart. Yes, he is the son of Dieter Hoeneß. Uh, maybe Stevie played against him because he's, he's more his he's age. And he's a nephew. Oh. Yeah, he won every header. <laughs> and he's a nephew of. Yeah, <laughs> nephew of Uli Hoeneß. Uh, so it's going to be a great, great game. Stuttgart is back among the best. So if they can win at home tomorrow, this could be a, another great race as, as you have in England. Yeah, really good game it should be tomorrow. And of course, it is live and exclusive on ESPN. Plus, it's part of a double header. Uh, Stuttgart against Bayer Leverkusen is then followed by Klona against Mainz. Those games back to back on Plus. Now, Jan will be back with us on Extra Time. As always, uh, you can check that out over on our YouTube channel. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Real Madrid had the chance to extend their lead at the top of the table. They could only do it by one point as they were held away from home in Seville against Real Betis. Jude Bellingham with another beautiful finish. Betis so getting the equaliser as it finishes one apiece. For more on this tie, let's hear from Martin Einstein and Sidlow. Let me do the obvious thing here. I'm going to remind you that I'm English. <laughs> and I'm going to say to you, 
That Jude Bellingham's quite good, isn't he? Wow. What a player. It is amazing. I mean, uh, Benito Villamarín, check. And he's scoring. He, I think he has a, like a notebook. And, and whenever he's uh, going I like, I like to I like to imagine him, actually, with a little book going, the grounds are really quite fancy playing at. Betis, what a place to go. And, and to leave here with another goal. I mean, and the goal totals are extraordinary, aren't they? It was amazing. How he chased the ball. And uh, it's all about... He's so clever. He's a, a very intelligent player. And, and we couldn't see much of him. I mean... Yeah, that, that uh, is true. He, was it wasn't actually a, his best game, was it? In no, truth? it was no. not the, the 90 minutes Bellingham. But he's always there. When, he, when, when he's needed, when... Uh, and it was a moment where Betis was controlling the game. Yeah, absolutely. So, so th this is the magic of these players, that uh, they change the game in one second. And um, the thing that really struck me was he doesn't get nervous. Like it, it, in the end, it looks like an easy goal. It looks yeah. like it wasn't difficult for him at all to do. That's not a particularly simple chance. The, the pass from Brahim, by the way, is, is, is wonderful. Yeah. But it takes it so smoothly, takes it as if... And this is, I suppose, the definition of his entire time at Real Madrid so far is that he's done everything in a way that suggests... There's a great Spanish word, and I don't know how to translate this into English, that he plays sobrado. Yeah. So he's, it's like he's above all of it. He's, right. he, he, he's just totally taken in his stride. True. And uh, it is amazing what Angelotti has done. Because with, I mean, he's finding players in different positions. Like, he's missing very important players. But he has Real Madrid at you know, the top of the table. Well, we'll see. Yeah, well, that's going to be the next part, <laughs> isn't it? This, this actually means that we could go into Christmas with Girona back on the top again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's true. We, we could have, yeah, yeah. So, so we've true. watched a game today where no one has won here. Betis didn't win, Real Madrid won, didn't win, but Girona might do. Girona might be the big winners of this game today. It's true, yeah. Uh, I think it's, uh, this is one of the best games so far yeah. of, the, of the season. And it's, and it's great to, to have these kind of games. Like teams wanting to play good, beautiful, uh, football. Sometimes football's fun. Oh, that was fun, boys. Good stuff. Barcelona against Girona, our feature game of four tomorrow, live on ESPN+. Plus. Coverage starts in that top of the table clash at 2.30 Eastern. Of course, back with you tomorrow. We'll be talking MLS Cup, which is going on at the moment. Columbus are currently 2-1 up against LAFC. Uh, that is it. That brings us to the end of... You know where I can get a copy of that said Martin Einstein piece? Oh, what a really. double act. Great stuff. Uh, Jan will be back as well for Extra Time. Stay with us. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. No, it's not. It's extra time. Uh, Craig's with us. Uh, you've been in here all day. Stevie's with us. Jan joins us as well. Uh, Jan's on a TV show in Germany tomorrow, which he's been banging on about for hours. Hey, Jan, nice curtains. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You should have seen who's behind there. Oh, yeah, let's not start oh, I mean, that. No, Don't I, start. I, no, I was talking about the curtains on the top of his head. Oh, lovely. Those were the days. Those yeah, were the, the days old... you used to like. Yeah, you also you, you had pretty defined curtains, didn't you? I, could, I don't think I could. Someone go... was at the Chelsea. Museum, there's pictures of you there with, with the old curtains. People just like no teeth, no yeah, teeth. It's it's attached to a dartboard. <laughs>
for Craig. Say no bother. Yes. Please just. Craig, what's more likely? Ten Hag turning United around, Poch getting Chelsea back into Europe, or you hosting the Ballon d'Or? Ooh. What's more likely? Uh, uh, what was it? it to me again? Can't see. Watch to Chelsea. Watch to Chelsea. But a pot's getting Chelsea into Europe. Right. Ten Hag turning things around for United. Well, what's turning that around? Well, getting them back on track. <laughs> or you well, hosting the Ballon d'Or. Well, I won't be hosting the Ballon d'Or. No. Kate hosted it, didn't she, in the past? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Good money. Much more likely. I'm going to say Pochettino. I don't, I don't see Ten Hag turning this around. Right. I don't see it. Stevie. They're all bad. Stevie was the only reason Liverpool got a result because of the second yellow card against Ayu. Absolutely. It changed everything, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they never looked like getting anything from this game until, until Ayu got sent off. I, I, I don't think you can argue with that. They were rotten. Jan, what is Liverpool got... echo. Nickel. Yeah. <laughs> They're back. They're back again. Nickel says, Liverpool rotten. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's, Shut it. What's gone right for Emery at Villa They did that didn't go right at Arsenal, Jan? Well, first of all, I think it's uh, Wenger very underestimated who you come after. Remember, he came after Wenger. That is, although Wenger at the end weren't that good and maybe stayed there a couple of three, four years as too long, but he came there... And I must also say that uh, some of the media ridiculed Emery. That is nothing to say that that was the reason he maybe didn't bring in the, the right players and that he didn't win enough football games. But there was a bit like making parody, parodies. What do you say? Parody? Yeah, parody. Comic yeah. of him? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're doing that. And, but, at, but at Aston Villa, we've seen him in every position he's been. It being in Spain, being, it was in France as well. There is always a way you can see how we want them to play. I was at the City game, uh, and I was—I've never seen. I've seen City so many times. I've never seen a team being so controlled that City, uh, the City being controlled because normally they control the game. They had no chance today. There was a bit more luck in, in there because Arsenal was would, was maybe you could argue that they were the better team, although they didn't play that well. But still, you can see what he's trying to do. And there's a lot of coaches, you can't see what they try to do, which is uh, not, not the best skill to have around in the Premier League. Craig, do you think Manchester City made a mistake by letting Gundogan and Mares leave? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I think he's earned the right, the city manager, to make those decisions. You know what I mean? It's a bit like when he let Sterling go. He's let uh, young Cole Palmer go, a slightly different scenario. Uh, he let Gabriel Jesus go. You know, all guys that he felt did a, a job for him, but he wanted to move on. I think it's a difficult one because they're missing De Bruyne as well. Mm. I know he's not left the club, but he's not playing. It's a big call. I mean, Gundogan wanted... They, they, they didn't let Gundogan go. Gundogan wanted to go. Ah, good point. Yeah. yeah. You know, he yeah, wanted to go... as well, wasn't he? I'm sure he would have loved him to stay. He was brilliant. You know, scoring the FA Cup final that yeah. playing last year. He wanted to go and play at Barcelona. Mares, I always felt with Mares, he was a game-changer for them. You know, when it wasn't going... If he didn't start... be something going, special he could produce. Off the bench, he would come on, and not all the time, but quite often he'd do something uh, special. But we'll find out. You've got to... You know, that the squad has got to revolve at some point, and that's his decision. What do you think, Steve? Listen, right now, if they had Gundogan and Mahrez, they, they, would have been, they wouldn't have got 
destroy the way Villa did. Okay. Because they wouldn't have had two centre-backs playing in the middle of the field. So, considering where they are and, and the form that they're in, you couldn't turn around and say that they would not have made a difference, because they would have. Yeah, and Sancho hasn't played in three months because of a disagreement with Ten Hag. With how inconsistent United have been, is it wrong to think Sancho could have seized this period similar to the way Maguire has, or are his issues deep-rooted? Well, this is an unbelievable deep <laughs> question because we don't know everything was, what was going on behind the scenes. Uh, if Ten Hag has said the only way for him to come back is to make an apology, then there is only one way to come back is to make an apology. That, that being Sancho, we don't know everything. There are, there are thrown out rumours that now he, he missed a couple of other trainings and everything. But uh, if you put Maguire in there, I mean, he has done the only thing you can do. Sometimes as footballers, we, we are like kids. We, we are getting stubborn. We're going to stay in there. The only th way, and I, you know, I've, I was, I've always been a big fan of Sancho. But the only ones who can save Sancho is Sancho himself. Mm. He has to get, get himself back. He has to play football. You can't just hang around. Maybe Ten Hag will get fired. But what will the, the first thing a new manager will say, you remember that guy who wasn't loyal to the former manager, I'll take him straight in. That won't happen. That won't happen. So this could take months for him. He can throw away his career. Yes, I'm seeing that there is something well, that he explain can... explain to me why won't it happen. Why won't a new manager come in and it'll be a clean slate and then James Sancho's back in the squad? Because I think it's risky, because if you see the, the, the Manchester United dressing room at the moment, and you see the Manchester United dressing room when we, at St. James's, for example, the body language, some of the players, we've been discussing that at the TV show, is scandalous, meaning that the dressing room is not 100%. So what, what does it say? Do you think that 100% want to get Sancho back? He's been not be, he's been not followed the discipline of the manager. And the first thing a new one, he will take some time to see that. Maybe we'll take him back. But if you start doing that, you can lose the other half of the dressing room. Why should you do that? Just read your Machiavelli. That is the way you should do it. That is leadership. And he can't do that. So the only one who will get punished here is Sancho. That is how football has been for like 150 years. Yeah, what was wrong with you? I was thinking whether I was going to ask a follow-up question to you two because I was intrigued. I just, I, I, why would, why would somebody walking through the door not try somebody and place somebody who might help them? But, but then, as Jan says, is that meant to detriment to the other half of the squad who feel like? Well, but, well, no. It's a clean, it's a clean slate. It's a right. whole new ball game. But Jan's completely wrong. Do you think? Do you think if he plays Sancho, if a new guy walks through the door, plays Sancho, and Sancho scores a winning goal, they all get their twenty grand bonus for the game? Do you think the dressing room is going to be upset? No. Is Jan the one who's having a go? No. No. no I, I, I honestly no, don't. But, but, I, I honestly, <laughs> I, I honestly don't think so. No, if I, but, if but I was if, walking if got... in there tomorrow, Jan, I would, I would say to Sancho, look. I don't know what happened with you two. I'm trying to get a team together. Right. Um, if if the slate is clean, let's see. Let's clean. see. Show me what you've got. Uh, right. Yeah, fair, I, fair enough. But I, but fair enough. But I mean, that is the 
I mean, that is the right we have as, as, as pundits to be discussing all these kind of things. If Manchester City don't win, that is because they left Gundogan and Mahrez go. If Manchester City don't win, it's because Rodri didn't play at Aston Villa. Rodri even played, he played when they had draws as well. So it's, it's always like this, if they're losing no Manchester United, and you know, I'm, I'm saying it again, I'm a big fan of Sancho. I'm just saying it can't be like this every time Manchester United lose. Sancho get a better player. Sancho, as it is now, has chosen not to be a part of that travel that they are having. And that is up to him. I mean, we can talk a lot about Ten Hag. I can't see how Manchester United want to play. I can see he's doing a lot of selections wrong, but it can't be that only people who are not playing, it's their fault. So you have to look at Maguire. Maguire, Maguire did the right thing. He will save in place. He got Premier League Player of the Month that I think uh, Craig always loves those kind of awards. But he put himself in frame to show that for Gareth Southgate, if you're going out for a battle, you call Maguire. You won't call Sancho right now. I hope that he someday will be on a travel, but I, I can't see that happening in a short the term. The problem for Sancho, <clears throat> one of the problems from where I'm sitting for Sancho is not if a new manager comes in, it's if a new manager doesn't come in. Right. Because if a new manager comes in, as Stevie said, he'll say, look, as long as you don't screw me over, if you work hard and do a job for me, we're on a good page, right? Because that'll help him. If, if Ten Hag somehow manages to steady this ship and he survives, this doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. Mm. In the meantime, I think he's tarnishing by every week, every day, every week, every month, he's tarnishing his reputation even more. Because one, he hasn't played well in the field for a couple of years. And two, he was, he had already coming into Man United some disciplinary issues. And now we have a player who effectively doesn't want to be part of it. That's not a good view for other people that want to come in and sign you, particularly when you're not cheap. It's yeah. not like you're gonna, he's going to go back to Dortmund or he's going to go somewhere and get you know, five grand a week. He's not. They're going to have to pay him big money and it's a risk. And the longer it goes on, the more I think it's going to affect his career if Ten Hag doesn't leave. So it's a problem. Yeah, and what can Manchester United do to score goals and win against Bayern? Have a couple of shots, be fine. They've got conceded five today. Play Martial again. Yeah, they, they should, they're not trying to win the XG. I mean, I've got colleagues, they love XG. They, got, they, they, they take... XG to bed. I love XG. And today, Bayern. Come on. Yeah, yeah, but what, what is this XG? Uh, yeah. they're, they're the best goals in the world, and they say, yeah, every seventh goal uh, or of hundred shot, seven billion goals. That XG thing that today died in Frankfurt yes. because XG when Bayern today. Well, the better team and should have scored more goals when I lost 5-1 then I say Auf Wiedersehen bye-bye Au revoir Ciao Wow oh, You've opened a can of worms there Jan there our, our, on the oh, I don't like XG Our boss will get lots of emails now from oh, yes. people people <laughs> pe- pe- people with 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 very little else to do in life. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, usually people they usually get moustaches. I'm not going to generalise. Moustaches. I envision them tweed jacket. Right. Bit of a growth. Elbow patches. Definitely patches. Yep. Piping on about it. I never started it today. It was Jan. Do you think managers relegated to the stands due to a suspension affects their team's performance, Craig? They still get the half-time mm. team talk and presumably communicate with those on the sideline. Well, you'd like to think that, that most of these elite teams that are at the top, and particularly with these experienced players, are 
are clever enough to figure it out for themselves. So what's the point? What do you mean? Why ban him at all then, if it doesn't really make much of a difference, if the punishment well, doesn't they, 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 they're trying to They're trying to... Get him out of the stadium. Say, oh, you're trying not to allowed set, in. They're trying to set a marker <laughs> for, for more... They're trying to set a marker... They've got to be seen to be doing something. OK, so why not ban him from the it's not. It's not It's not to affect you the team. If you're going to get a ban, you should be banned. You shouldn't be allowed to go near the place. Well, there you are. That's what, that's what I'm saying. That's what you should do. OK, sort it out. Penaletta. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's more frustration for the managers that they feel... Right. As if they're not not at the hub of what's going on, and it's just the FA's way of trying to get these managers to have more respect for the officials. Which, and, and but but also working. boys, also for the all with tweed jackets, as Craig is saying, you, know, you should understand that a lot of these managers are standing with their signals. You have. They're all different things and they're doing all these kind of things. There's no players understanding what they're doing. I mean, that is for their own frustration. It's all ner- they are nervous on the bench. They're doing all this kind of thing and talking to players. And we know how it's like. We look at the managers and say, yeah, right, whatever. I mean, these signals that they're doing down there is just for themselves. Having said that, I think that it could be a thing that when the manager is close, remember back in the days when Sir Alex didn't do a lot of, of coaching, but he was always around and and the Manchester United players are, and, and we know that from our own experience if the assistant manager was there the training could be good but maybe that intensity when the first team Maura the, the, the main manager was there the manager was there wasn't that good you always say that Stevie don't you suddenly cameras cut to the managers they feel like we've got to be doing something aye nothing yeah 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 the answer you just call it aye oh aye uh, that's it then. That brings us to the end of today's show. Congratulations to Columbus Crew, who are this year's MLS Cup winners. I hope you weren't saving it for later. Uh, and we will be talking about that victory on the next edition of the show. Uh, be sure to join us. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu.